continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark, and we are in chapter 7 again this morning and looking at verses 24 through 30. Remember, Jesus has been ministering in the region of the Sea of Galilee, and we know it's his great Galilean ministry. A little detour from that today. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. And when he entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. And she kept asking him, to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, because of this answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back home to her home, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon having left. That is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you again for such rich, a rich blessing to have your word before us we thank you for the freedom we have this morning to read it and to study it, to proclaim it. Father, I pray that you would bless us as we do. We know that unless you help us by the Holy Spirit, we cannot glean from this text what is there for us. We need the Holy Spirit to take these spiritual truths and apply them to our hearts. And we pray this morning he would do that. We might not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, prayer is a, an important part of the life of a Christian. And it's hard to imagine a, a Christian who does not pray. Being a Christian is being in a relationship with God the Father by grace through faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can't have much of a relationship with anyone without some form of communication. There's no communication between you and God. I would assume that you have to assume that there might not be much of a relationship there either. As you know, the means of communication between us and God are the scriptures and prayer. In his word, God speaks to us. He reveals in it who he is, what he's done, what he's promised, how we can know him, what he expects from us how we can live our lives in a way that, that pleases Him. Through prayer, we speak to God. We praise Him. We've done this morning. We confess our sins to Him. We, we tell God what we need. We bring to Him our petitions and our requests. We tell God how we feel. You know, any true communication on any level it involves giving and receiving, talking and listening. 
And so it is in our relationship with God. We give and we receive. We talk and we listen. God speaks to us through his word and we speak to God through prayer. Now those are just basic truths about what it is to be a Christian. But the Bible has a lot more to say about prayer than that. You see, prayer is not just the means by which we communicate with God. Nor is it just the means by which we maintain a relationship with God. Prayer is the means God has appointed for us to avail ourselves of his power. And the means by which he chooses to accomplish his will in our lives and on this earth. You see, God in his sovereign and eternal wisdom has chosen to accomplish his eternal will through your prayers. Imagine that. Your prayers tap into the power of God. And your prayers accomplish the will of God. That's why James says in James 5.16, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now the King James Version translates that, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effective fervent prayer. And the reason the King James adds that word fervent is because the Greek word there is the Greek word for supplication. It's a pleading. It's a begging. It's not just a request, but it's an earnest coming before God to ask things based upon real needs and deep feelings. Well, our text this morning, I think, gives us an example of the kind of person that Mark describes, or James describes. However, Mark doesn't tell us about the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. He describes the effective, fervent prayer of a woman. And to be honest, we're not sure just how righteous she was. But she was a woman who prayed. And a woman whose prayer was effective. And so I want us to look at this woman, an interesting woman, and the interaction she had with Jesus. Because I believe there's much in here that be of help to us and encouragement to us also. I'm going to point out six things from this text about this woman. And hopefully you'll, you'll find uh, it helpful. Uh, she gives us, I think, a wonderful example of someone who really prayed and effective, if no, even though it was a, a different kind of prayer. Several things. First thing to notice is the place where this woman lived. Verse 24 tells us Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. Now, Tyre was a long way from where Jesus had been ministering there around the Sea of Galilee. Tyre is in what is now modern-day Lebanon, which is a good ways to the north and the west of Galilee. Uh, it was a predominantly Gentile area. It was heavily influenced by Greek culture and philosophy. The city was very pagan. Uh, the people there held to what we might call today a, a first century New Age philosophy. 
Why did Jesus go there? Well, he, he might have thought that some time with some new age folks might have been a little bit easier than dealing with the, the scribes and the Pharisees we just have been doing in, in Galilee. Remember, he just had an intense discussion with them in the first part of Mark 7. And his discussion with them, as we saw last week, was about true spirituality. And Jesus was becoming more and more convinced that the Jewish religious leaders had absolutely no idea what true spirituality was. Their religion was all out here. It was all external. It was all form and very little reality. You know, at least with the, with the pagans in Tyre, what you see was what you got. And so for one thing, Jesus went just to get away, I think, from the scrutiny of the scribes and the Pharisees, separating himself from their accusations and their criticisms. I want to say again that as you study the Gospels, as you study the life of Christ, you always have to keep in mind the two natures of Jesus. You know, he was divine. He was the Son of God. He was also human. He had a human nature, much like ours. And there are times when you see Jesus primarily functioning according to his divine nature, walking on the water, feeding the 5,000, doing all these miraculous kinds of things. Other times you see him particularly in his human nature. And I think that's in view here. As we've seen before, you know, Jesus came to times in his life where he just needed some space. He needed a break, a respite from the crowds. He needed some downtime where physically and emotionally and spiritually he could regroup and refocus. That's what it says in verse 24. And when he entered a house... He wanted no one to know of it. Look, Jesus is trying to get away. He's trying to be alone. It's obvious that there was someone in Tyre that he knew, someone he was able to stay with. There were some from Tyre who had heard him preach earlier, respond to the gospel and followed him. If you back, go back to Mark chapter 3, it's where we saw one situation of how many people came from so many different places to hear Jesus preach. If you look at Mark chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, where it says, Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples, and a great multitude from Galilee followed, and also from Judea, that was to the south, from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, a great number of people heard all that he was doing and came to him. Well, there were people in Tyre, therefore, who were aware of Jesus, who knew of Jesus, heard Jesus. He was hoping, however, to go to Tyre without attracting much attention. But as we've seen in the text, that was impossible. End of verse 24 says, and yet he could not escape notice. Jesus went to Tyre looking for a break, but that break did not materialize. That's the place. Second, we see the need this woman had. Now, we don't know much about this woman. We don't know her name. We don't know about her husband. We don't know about her background. 
really all we know is what's told about her in verse 26. It says, now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. That's all we know. She was a Gentile. But that's important to keep in mind as we go through this particular event in the life of Christ. You know, Jesus' ministry to a great extent was countercultural. And one of the aspects of Jesus' countercultural ministry is, is pointed out here. Jesus ministered to women. You know, women just didn't have much of a place in society when Jesus lived. They were essentially property. They belonged to their husband and they were kept usually out of sight unless they were needed for something. And yet Jesus ministered to the women and he paid particular attention to them. He broke out of that societal mold. He didn't turn them aside, but he ministered to them, accepted their worship, included them as those who followed him. Now, whether it was this woman in Tyre, this Syrophoenician woman, or the woman at the well in Samaria, whether it was Mary and Martha, uh, whether it was Mary Magdalene, Jesus ministered to them just as he ministered to the men. No, they were not included in the 12 apostles, but they were some of his most loyal and devoted followers. Remember the Easter story. They were the last at the cross and they were the first at the grave. Well, this woman somehow had heard about Jesus and what he'd done. And we don't know if she had heard Jesus teach before. All the text says in verse 25 is after hearing of him. Almost get the indication she didn't really know much about Jesus until he came to Tyre and people were talking and she heard of him. We don't think she was a follower of Jesus at this point. It's just a really, really rather frank statement given again in verse uh, 26 that she was a Gentile. But this woman was desperate. She had a real problem, a personal problem. And the problem was she had a little daughter. We don't know how the daughter was. She had a little daughter. And the daughter had an unclean spirit. The daughter was possessed by a demon. Now again, to keep everything in its proper context, you need to realize that during Jesus' earthly ministry, demonic activity was at its apex. Satan knew. He knew who Jesus was and he knew what Jesus came to do and he knew that he didn't stop Jesus now. There would be no stopping. And so he unleashed every weapon that he had. And so you have this kind of height of demonic activity all through that region. It wasn't limited to the adults. It also impacted children. And through his demons, Satan was desperately trying to counter the power and influence of Jesus. Anyway, this, this woman had a daughter, and for whatever reason, her daughter was demon-possessed. And you need to remember, too, that often was not a very pretty sight. Demons would often throw people into convulsions. They would make them lose control of their mental or physical capacities. Often put them in danger of harming themselves. And no doubt this woman had sought every help she could find. 
to try to discover some cure for this daughter who is afflicted in this way. And she had a real need. Third thing we see in this text is the question the woman asked. Verse 25 says, after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. And then in verse 26, we're told, she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now, she didn't have to ask once. She asked over and over again. She kept asking. She kept pleading Jesus for Jesus to help her. Now, again, we don't know exactly how the woman heard about Jesus, what she knew about Jesus. But she obviously had heard enough to know that Jesus could help her if he would help her. And she kept on asking Jesus for his help. In Matthew's account of this particular story, he says that she was so persistent and so adamant that Jesus' disciples finally came to him and said, send her away because she keeps on shouting at us. This woman was asking earnestly for Jesus to help her, to have mercy on her daughter, to cast the demon out of her daughter. She didn't have much knowledge. She probably didn't have much faith. But she used what knowledge and what faith she had to implore Jesus, to beg Jesus, to plead with Jesus to heal her daughter. You say you don't have to have great knowledge or great faith to pray. You don't have to have great knowledge or great faith to pray effectively. Jesus said, if you just have faith like a mustard seed, that's the smallest of the seeds. If you just have faith like a mustard seed, you can pray effectively. You see, the effectiveness of your prayers doesn't depend upon how great your faith is. It depends on how great your God is. It's not great faith that's required, but real faith, true faith, sincere faith. This woman had some of that, and she kept asking Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. Now, the fourth thing we see is what Jesus said to this woman, his response to her. Now, verse 27 contains one of what we call the hard sayings of Jesus. On the surface, he does not appear to be very sympathetic, does he? His answer doesn't seem to provide much comfort or much encouragement to this woman. In fact, it's a bit hard to understand. He said to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, Jesus refers to two groups there. One group is the children. The other group he calls the dogs. And you can't understand what Jesus is saying here unless you understand those two groups, the children and the Jews. It's clear that God chose the Jews as his own people. He invested himself in them. The whole Old Testament really is a story of God's relationship to the Jewish nation. 
his calling them, him, his choosing them to be his own. The law he gave to them, the judges and the kings he put over them, the prophets he sent to them, the judgment he brought upon them, and the promises he gave to them. Jesus himself was born into a Jewish family. The Apostle John makes it clear in his gospel, Jesus came to his own. The message of the gospel, we're told, first came to the lost tribes of the house of Israel. Jesus' ministry was centered around the synagogue. He showed great concern for the temple. As we concern, he, if we've seen, he, he, he dealt with the scribes and the Pharisees. He wept, he cried over the condition of the, the city of Jerusalem. You see, the message of the gospel was primarily directed to the Jews. The promises that had been given to them were fulfilled in the Messiah, in Jesus. The one for whom they were looking, the one they were anticipating was here. Jesus came to his own. He came to the Jews. But the Bible says his own received him not. But that didn't deter Jesus. He says the children had to be satisfied first. The Jews had to be given the news of repentance and faith. It wasn't a good thing to take the, the, the children's bread and give it to the dogs. It, it wasn't good to take what God had given to the Jews, his chosen people, and give it to the Gentiles. Don't you get it? This woman was a Gentile. Jesus had included her in the dogs. He wasn't going to give her what was intended for the children. That was the rule. Oh, the gospel would be taken to the Gentiles eventually. But to the Jews first. That's why Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, right before his ascension, talking to his disciples, he said, you stay right here in Jerusalem. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, the surrounding area, then in Samaria, and even then to the remotest parts of the earth. Look, we are the remotest parts of the earth. The gospel started in Jerusalem with the Jewish people, and then it expanded to include people like us. But that's the rule Jesus gives. The children must be fed first. That was the rule. The question was, could there be an exception? So fifth, we see the response of this woman to Jesus. You know, she, she would not take no for an answer. Now, she was very respectful, and she was very humble, but she was still very persistent and very earnest. In verse 28, she said this, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. Now, she didn't disagree with what Jesus said. Yes, Lord, was her response. She acknowledges the rule, but she's pointing out that there are exceptions to the rule. Even the dogs, she says, gets to feed from the crumbs that fall under the table. 
Jesus included her among the dogs. She doesn't deny it. She doesn't attempt to be something she's not. She doesn't attempt to appear to be one of the children. She just made the point. The children get the food. The dogs get the crumbs. All she was asking for was a crumb. She knew just a crumb from Jesus would accomplish what she needed. She didn't ask Jesus to change the room. She didn't ask Jesus to break the room. She just asked Jesus for a little of the leftovers, just a small crumb that you sweep up from the floor after the meal has been eaten. Just a crumb, just a crumb would be enough for her. Now, Jesus' reaction to her was very quick and very positive. He told her in verse 28, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Matthew tells us, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. And she did what he told her. She went home. There's her daughter still lying in the bed but the demon was gone. Maybe this woman didn't have such little faith after all. She kept asking Jesus to help her because she believed that he could. That he could. And, and then he, she went home and she realized that he had. Well, finally, and in conclusion, we see the example this, this woman gives us. Really two examples. And one is the encouragement she gives us to pray for others. This, this woman was pleading with Jesus, but she wasn't pleading for herself. She was pleading for someone else. Now, I know our children are special to us. But this is an example of an intercessory prayer. Of this woman praying for someone else and the needs of another person. She was interceding on behalf of her daughter asking Jesus to have mercy on her to, to cast the demon out of her. Don't minimize the importance of praying for each other. It's one of the things that encourages me about this body of believers is the way you're so willing and eager to hear needs and to pray for needs. And that's such an important part of being a part of the body of Christ. Sometimes I'll ask someone, is there something I can do for you? And they'll say, well, just pray for me. If someone tells you that, don't think you've been rebuffed. They just ask you to do the greatest thing you could possibly do for them. To intercede on behalf of them before the throne of the sovereign God of all power and might. This woman is praying for her daughter. She kept asking Jesus to have mercy on her and to cast the demon out of her daughter. We need to be a praying people, a praying congregation. Pray for each other, my dear brothers and sisters. God will hear and God will answer. Then the, the other example she gives us is how she prayed. Two ways that she prayed we find here. One is she prayed humbly. Look, this woman realized she didn't, she didn't deserve anything from Jesus. She didn't try to put on airs. She didn't try to impress him. 
She didn't come to Jesus with a long list of accomplishments that might gain her some standing with him. She just admitted and agreed with him she was a dog under the table. And she was asking for a crumb. Folks, that's how William must pray. Humbly. Broken. Realizing we don't deserve anything from God. And anything he does for us, anything he gives to us is an evidence of his grace. It's when you pray like that that you're truly thankful when God responds and answers your prayer. She prayed humbly, but also the second thing is she prayed with perseverance. This woman just wouldn't give up. She prayed and she prayed and she prayed. I know the text says she pleaded and begged and she did. That's her prayer. And even when it seemed like Jesus was putting her off, you dog, she kept asking. Don't quit. Be persistent. You know, Jesus told the story of the woman who came to the judge for protection from people who are harassing her and the judge didn't care anything about her and he neglected her and he wouldn't respond to her and so she wouldn't take no for an answer either. She just kept coming back every day. It's me. It's me. I'm back. And finally the judge gave her what she asked. Now we don't wear Jesus out. We don't wear God out in our prayers. But there is good biblical reason to be persistent in prayer. Maybe you prayed for something or someone a long time. And you haven't seen an answer to that prayer. Maybe you've been praying for the conversion of a friend or a family member. A family member continues in unbelief. Don't give up. Remember this Gentile Syrophoenician woman who prayed for her daughter and kept, kept, kept on praying and asking for Jesus to cast the demon out of her. This woman was persistent. Effective prayer. No, this is an unsuspecting example, isn't it? A Gentile Syrophoenician woman who lived in Tyre. But what an example she gives us. A woman who prayed humbly. A woman who prayed persistently. A woman who prayed with what faith she had. And her effective, fervent prayer accomplished much. So can yours. And so can ours. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this dear woman. A woman we don't know at all and know such, such little about, but a woman who gives us such a great example of praying. Of praying earnestly and persistently and humbly. May we do the same. In Jesus' name, amen.